part two of the affair at the semiramis hotel by a e w mason this librivox recording is in the public domain part two joan carew faltered the night was too near to her its memory too poignant with terror she shut her eyes tightly and cowered down in a chair with the movement her cloak slipped from her shoulders and dropped onto the ground caladine leaned forward with an exclamation of horror joan carew started up what is it she asked nothing go on i found myself inside the room with the door shut behind me i had shut it myself in a spasm of terror and i dared not turn round to open it i was helpless what do you mean she was awake joan carew shook her head there were others in the room before me and on the same errand men caladine drew back his eyes searching the girl's face yes he said slowly i didn't see them at first i didn't hear them the room was quite dark except for one jet of fierce white light which beat upon the door of a safe and as i shut the door the jet moved swiftly and the light reached me and stopped i was blinded i stood in the full glare of it drawn up against the panels of the door shivering sick with fear then i heard a quiet laugh and someone moved softly towards me oh it was terrible i recovered the use of my limbs in a panic i turned to the door but i was too late whilst i fumbled with the handle i was seized a hand covered my mouth i was lifted to the centre of the room the jet went out the electric lights were turned on there were two men dressed as apaches in velvet trousers and red scarves like a hundred others in the ballroom below and both were masked i struggled furiously but of course i was like a child in their grasp tie her legs the man whispered who was holding me she's making too much noise i kicked and fought but the other man stooped and tied my ankles and i fainted caladine nodded his head yes he said when i came to the lights were still burning the door of the safe was open the room empty i had been flung onto a couch at the foot of the bed i was lying there quite free was the safe empty asked caladine suddenly i didn't look she answered oh and she covered her face spasmodically with her hands i looked at the bed someone was lying there under a sheet and quite still there was a clock ticking in the room it was the only sound i was terrified i was going mad with fear if i didn't get out of the room at once i felt that i should go mad that i should scream and bring everyone to find me alone with what was under the sheet in the bed i ran to the door and looked out through a slit into the corridor it was still quite empty and below the music still throbbed in the ballroom i crept down the stairs meeting no one until i reached the hall i looked into the ballroom as if i was searching for someone i stayed long enough to show myself then i got a cab and came to you a short silence followed joan carew looked at her companion in appeal you are the only one i could come to she added i know no one else caladine sat watching the girl in silence then he asked and his voice was hard and is that all you have to tell me yes you are quite sure joan carew looked at him perplexed by the urgency of his question she reflected for a moment or two quite caladine arose to his feet and stood beside her 
then how do you come to be wearing this he asked and he lifted a chain of platinum and diamonds which she was wearing about her shoulders you weren't wearing it when you danced with me john carew stared at the chain no it's not mine i've never seen it before then a light came into her eyes the two men they must have thrown it over my head when i was on the couch before they went she looked at it more closely that's it the chain's not very valuable they could spare it and it would accuse me of what they did yes that's very good reasoning said calladine coldly joan carew looked quickly up into his face oh you don't believe me she cried you think oh it's impossible and holding him by the edge of his coat she burst into a storm of passionate denials but you went to steal you know he said gently and she answered him at once yes i did but not this and she held up the necklace should i have stolen this should i have come to you wearing it if i had stolen the pearls if i had and she stopped if my story were not true calladine weighed her argument and it affected him no i think you wouldn't he said frankly most crimes no doubt were brought home because the criminal had made some incomprehensibly stupid mistake incomprehensibly stupid that is by the standards of normal life nevertheless calladine was inclined to believe her he looked at her that she should have murdered was absurd moreover she was not making a parade of remorse and she was not playing the unctuous penitent she had yielded to a temptation had got herself into desperate straits and was at her wit's end how to escape from them she was frank about herself calladine looked at the clock it was nearly five o'clock in the morning and though the music could still be heard from the ballroom in the semiramis the night had begun to wane upon the river you must go back he said i'll walk with you they crept silently down the stairs and into the street it was only a step to the semiramis they met no one until they reached the strand there many like joan carew in masquerade were standing about or walking hither and thither in search of carriages and cabs the whole street was in a bustle what with drivers shouting and people coming away you can slip in unnoticed said calladine as he looked into the thronged courtyard i'll telephone to you in the morning you will she cried eagerly clinging for a moment to his arm yes for certain he replied wait in until you hear from me i'll think it over i'll do what i can oh thank you she said fervently he watched her scarlet cloak flitting here and there in the crowd until it vanished through the doorway then for the second time he walked back to his chambers while the morning crept up the river from the sea this was the story which calladine told in mr ricardo's library mr ricardo heard it out with varying emotions he began with a thrill of expectation like a man on a dark threshold of great excitements the setting of the story appealed to him too by a sort of brilliant bizarrerie which he found in it but as it went on he grew puzzled and a trifle disheartened there were flaws and chinks he began to bubble with unspoken criticisms then swift and clever thrusts which he dared not deliver he looked upon the young man with disfavour as upon one who had half opened a door upon a theatre of great promise and shown himself a spectacle not up to the mark hanaud on the other hand listened imperturbably without an expression upon his face until the end 
then he pointed a finger at caladine and asked him what to ricardo's mind was a most irrelevant question you got back to your rooms then before five mr caladine and it's now nine o'clock less a few minutes yes yet you have not changed your clothes explain to me that what did you do between five and half past eight caladine looked down at his rumpled shirt front upon my word i never thought of it he cried i was worried out of my mind i couldn't decide what to do finally i determined to talk to mr ricardo and after i had come to that conclusion i just waited impatiently until i could come round with decency hanaud rose from his chair his manner was grave but conveyed no single hint of an opinion he turned to ricardo let us go round to your young friend's rooms in the adelphi he said and the three men drove thither at once two caladine lodged in a corner house and upon the first floor his rooms large and square and lofty with adam's mantelpieces and a delicate tracery upon their ceilings breathed the grace of the eighteenth century broad high windows embrasured in thick walls overlooked the river and took in all the sunshine and the air which the river had to give and they were furnished fittingly when the three men had entered the parlour mr ricardo was astounded he had expected the untidy litter of a man run to seed the neglect and the dust of the recluse but the room was as clean as a deck of a yacht an aubusson carpet made the floor luxurious underfoot a few coloured prints of real value decorated the walls and the mahogany furniture was polished so that a lady could have used it as a mirror there was even by the newspapers upon the round table a china bowl full of fresh red roses if caladine had turned hermit he was a hermit of an unusually fastidious type indeed as he stood with his two companions in his dishevelled dress he seemed quite out of keeping with his rooms so you live here mr caladine said hanaud taking off his hat and laying it down yes with your servants of course they come in during the day said caladine and hanaud looked at him curiously do you mean that you sleep here alone yes but your valet i don't keep a valet said caladine and again the curious look came into hanaud's eyes yet he suggested gently there are rooms enough in your set of chambers to house a family caladine coloured and shifted uncomfortably from one foot to the other i prefer at night not to be disturbed he said stumbling a little over the words i, I mean i have a liking for quiet gabriel hanaud nodded his head with sympathy yes yes and it is a difficult thing to get as difficult as my holiday he said ruefully with a smile for mr ricardo however he turned towards caladine no doubt now that you are at home you would like a bath and a change of clothes and when you are dressed perhaps you will telephone to the semiramis and ask miss carew to come round here meanwhile we will read your newspapers and smoke your cigarettes hanaud shut the door upon caladine but he turned neither to the papers nor the cigarettes he crossed the room to mr ricardo who seated at the open window was plunged deep in reflections you have an idea my friend cried hanaud it demands to express itself that sees itself in your face let me hear it i pray mr ricardo started out of an absorption which was altogether assumed 
i was thinking he said with a faraway smile that you might disappear in the forests of africa and at once everyone would be very busy about your disappearance you might leave your village in leicestershire and live in the fogs of glasgow and within a week the whole village would know your postal address but london what a city how different how indifferent turn out of st james's into the adelphi terrace and not a soul will say to you dr livingston i presume but why should they asked hanno if your name isn't dr livingston mr ricardo smiled indulgently scoffer he said you understand me very well and he sought to turn the tables on his companion and you does this room suggest nothing to you have you no ideas but he knew very well that hanno had ever since hanno had crossed the threshold he had been like a man stimulated by a drug his eyes were bright and active his body alert yes he said i have he was standing now by ricardo's side with his hands in his pockets looking out at the trees on the embankment and the barges swinging down the river you are thinking of the strange scene which took place in this room such a few hours ago said ricardo the girl in her masquerade dress making her confession with the stolen chain about her throat hanaud looked backwards carelessly no i wasn't giving it a thought he said and in a moment or two he began to walk about the room with that curiously light step which ricardo was never able to reconcile with his cumbersome figure with the heaviness of a bear he still padded he went from corner to corner opened a cupboard here a drawer of the bureau there and stooped suddenly he stood erect again with a small box of morocco leather in his hand his body from head to foot seemed to ricardo to be expressing the question have i found it he pressed a spring and the lid of the box flew open hanaud emptied his contents into the palm of his hand there were two or three sticks of sealing wax and a seal with a shrug of the shoulders he replaced them and shut the box you are looking for something ricardo announced with sagacity i am replied hanaud and it seemed that in a second or two he found it yet yet he found it with his hands in his pockets if he had found it mr ricardo saw him stop in that attitude in front of the mantel-shelf and heard him utter a long low whistle upon the mantel-shelf some photographs were arranged a box of cigars stood at one end a book or two lay between some delicate ornaments of china and a small engraving in a thin gilt frame was propped at the back against the wall ricardo surveyed the shelf from his seat in the window but he could not imagine which it was of these objects that so drew and held hanaud's eyes hanaud however stepped forward he looked into a vase and turned it upside down then he removed the lid of a porcelain cup and from the very look of his great shoulders ricardo knew that he had discovered what he sought he was holding something in his hands turning it over examining it when he was satisfied he moved swiftly to the door and opened it cautiously both men could hear the splashing of water in a bath hanaud closed the door again with a nod of contentment and crossed once more to the window yes it is all very strange and curious he said and i do not regret that you dragged me into the affair you were quite right my friend this morning it is the personality of your young mr calladine which is the interesting thing for instance here we are in london in the early summer 
the trees out freshly green lilac and flowers in the garden and i don't know what tingle of hope and expectation in the sunlight and the air i am middle-aged yet there's a riot in my blood a recapture of youth a belief that just around the corner beyond the reach of my eyes wonders wait for me don't you feel too something like that well then and he heaved his shoulders in astonishment can you understand a young man with money with fastidious tastes good-looking hiding himself in a corner at such a time except for some overpowering reason no nor can i there is another thing i put a question or two to caladine yes said ricardo he has no servants here at night he is quite alone and here is what i find interesting he has no valet that seems a small thing to you hanno asked in a moment from ricardo well it is no doubt a trifle but it's a significant trifle in the case of a young rich man it is generally a sign that there is something strange perhaps even something sinister in his life mr caladine some months ago turned out of st james's into the adelphi can you tell me why no replied mr ricardo can you hanno stretched out a hand in his open palm lay a small round hairy bulb about the size of a big button and of a colour between green and brown look he said what is that mr ricardo took the bulb wonderingly it looks to me like the fruit of some kind of cactus hanno nodded it is you will see some pots of it in the hothouses of any really good botanical gardens q has them i have no doubt paris certainly has they are labelled anhalonium luini but amongst the indians of yucatan the plant has a simpler name what name asked ricardo mescal mr ricardo repeated the name it conveyed nothing to him whatever there are a good many bulbs just like that in the cup upon the mantelshelf said hanaud ricardo looked quickly up why he asked mescal is a drug ricardo started yes you are beginning to understand now hanaud continued why your young friend caladine turned out of st james's into the adelphi terrace ricardo turned the little bulb over in his fingers you make a decoction of it i suppose he said or you can use it as the indians do in yucatan replied hanaud mescal enters into their religious ceremonies they sit at night in a circle about a fire built in the forest and chew it whilst one of their number beats perpetually upon a drum hanaud looked round the room and took notes of its luxurious carpet its delicate appointments outside the window there was a thunder in the streets a clamour of voices boats went swiftly down the river on the ebb beyond the mass of the semiramis rose the great grey-white dome of st paul's opposite upon the southern bank the giant sky signs the big highlander drinking whisky and the rest of them waited gaunt skeletons for the night to limb them in fire and give them life below the trees in the gardens rustled and waved in the air were the uplift and sparkle of the young summer it's a long way from the forest of yucatan to the adelphi terrace of london said hanaud yet here i think in these rooms when the servants are all gone and the house is very quiet there is a little corner of wild mexico a look of pity came into mr ricardo's face 
he had seen more than one young man of great promise slacken his hold and let go just for this reason caladine it seemed was another it's like bong and keith and the rest of the devilish things i suppose he said indignantly tossing the button upon the table hanaud picked it up no he replied it's not quite like any other drug it has a quality of its own which just now is of particular importance to you and me yes my friend and he nodded his head very seriously we must watch that we do not make the big fools of ourselves in this affair there mr ricardo agreed with an ineffable air of wisdom i am entirely with you now why hanaud asked mr ricardo was at a loss for a reason but hanaud did not wait i will tell you mescal intoxicates yes but it does more it gives to the man who eats of it colored dreams colored dreams mr ricardo repeated in a wondering voice yes strange heated charms in which violent things happen vividly amongst bright colors color is the gift of this little prosaic brown button he spun the bulb in the air like a coin and catching it again took it over to the mantelpiece and dropped it into the porcelain cup are you sure of this ricardo cried excitedly and hanaud raised his hand in warning he went to the door opened it for an inch or so and closed it again i am quite sure he returned i have for a friend a very learned chemist in the collège de france he is one of those enthusiasts who must experiment upon themselves he tried this drug yes ricardo said in a quieter tone and what did he see he had a vision of a wonderful garden bathed in sunlight an old garden of gorgeous flowers and emerald lawns ponds with golden lilies and thick yew hedges a garden where peacocks stepped indolently and groups of gay people fantastically dressed quarrelled and fought with swords that is what he saw and he saw it so vividly that when the vapours of the drug passed from his brain and he waked he seemed to be coming out of the real world into a world of shifting illusions hanaud's strong quiet voice stopped and for a while there was a complete silence in the room neither of the two men stirred so much as a finger mr ricardo once more was conscious of the thrill of strange sensations he looked round the room he could hardly believe that a room which had been nigh was the home and shrine of mysteries in the dark hours could wear so bright and innocent a freshness in the sunlight of the morning there should be something sinister which leaped to the eyes as you crossed the threshold out of the real world mr ricardo quoted i begin to see yes you begin to see my friend that we must be very careful not to make the big fools of ourselves my friend of the collège de france saw a garden but had he been sitting alone in the window-seat where you are listening through a summer night to the music of the masquerade at the semiramis might he not have seen the ballroom the dancers the scarlet cloak and the rest of this story you mean cried ricardo now fairly startled that caladine came to us with the fumes of mescal still working in his brain that the false world was the real one still for him i do not know said hanaud at present i only put questions i ask them of you i wish to hear how they sound let us reason this problem out 
Caladine, let us say, takes a great deal more of the drug than my professor. It will have on him a more powerful effect while it lasts, and it will last longer. Fancy dress balls are familiar things to Caladine. The music floating from the Semiramis will revive old memories. He sits here, the pageant takes shape before him, he sees himself taking his part in it oh he is happier here sitting quietly in his window-seat than if he was actually at the semiramis for he is there more intensely more vividly more really than if he had actually descended this staircase he lives his story through the story of a heated brain the scene of it changes in the way dreams have it becomes tragic and sinister it oppresses him with horror and in the morning so obsessed with it that he does not think to change his clothes he is knocking at your door mr ricardo raised his eyebrows and moved ah you see a flaw in my argument said hanaud but mr ricardo was wary too often in other days he had been leaped upon and trounced for a careless remark. "'Let me hear the end of your argument,' he said. "'There was then, to your thinking, no temptation of jewels, no theft, no murder. In a word, no Selimene. She was born of recollections and the music of the Semiramis.' "'No,' cried Hanaud. "'Come with me, my friend. I am not so sure that there was no Selimene.' with a smile upon his face hanaud led the way across the room he had the dramatic instinct and rejoiced in it he was going to produce a surprise for his companion and savouring the moment in advance he managed his effects he walked towards the mantelpiece and stopped a few paces from it look mr ricardo looked and saw a broad adam's mantelpiece he turned a bewildered face to his friend you see nothing hanaud asked nothing look again i am not sure but is it not that salamene is posing before you mr ricardo looked again there was nothing to fix his eyes he saw a book or two a cup a vase or two and nothing else really except a very pretty and apparently valuable piece of and suddenly mr ricardo understood straight in front of him in the very centre of the mantelpiece a figure in painted china was leaning against a china style it was the figure of a perfectly impossible courtier feminine and exquisite as could be and apparelled also even to the scarlet heels exactly as caladine had described joan carew hanaud chuckled with satisfaction when he saw the expression upon mr ricardo's face ah you understand he said do you dream my friend at times yes like the rest of us then recollect your dreams things people which you have seen perhaps that day perhaps months ago pop in and out of them without making themselves prayed for you cannot understand why yet sometimes they cut their strange capers there logically too through subtle associations which the dreamer once awake does not apprehend thus our friend here sits in the window intoxicated by his drug the music plays in the semiramis the curtain goes up in the heated theatre of his brain he sees himself step upon the stage and who else meets him but the china figure from this mantelpiece mr ricardo for a moment was all enthusiasm then his doubt returned to him what you say my dear hanaud is very ingenious the figure upon the mantelpiece is also extremely convincing 
and i should be absolutely convinced but for one thing yes said hanaud watching his friend closely i am i may say it i think a man of the world and i ask myself mr ricardo never could ask himself anything without assuming a manner of extreme pomposity i ask myself whether a young man who has given up his social ties who has become a hermit and still more who has become the slave of a drug would retain that scrupulous carefulness of his body which is indicated by dressing for dinner when alone hanaud struck the table with the palm of his hand and sat down in a chair yes that is the weak point in my theory you have hit it i knew it was there that weak point and i wondered whether you would seize it yes the consumers of drugs are careless untidy even unclean as a rule but not always we must be careful we must wait for what asked ricardo beaming with pride for the answer to a telephone message replied hanaud with a nod towards the door both men waited impatiently until calladine came into the room he wore now a suit of blue serge he had a clearer eye his skin a healthier look he was altogether a more reputable person but he was plainly very ill at ease he offered his visitors cigarettes he proposed refreshments he avoided entirely and awkwardly the object of their visit hanaud smiled his theory was working out sobered by his bath calladine had realized the foolishness of which he had been guilty you telephoned to the semiramis of course said hanaud cheerfully calladine grew red uh, yes he stammered yet i did not hear that volume of hellos which precedes telephonic connection in your country of leisure hanaud continued i telephoned from my bedroom you could not hear anything in this room yes yes the walls of these old houses are solid hanaud was playing with his victim and uh, when may we expect miss carew well, i can't say replied calladine it's very strange she is not in the hotel i am afraid that she's gone away fled mr ricardo and hanaud exchanged a look they were both satisfied now there was no word of truth in calladine's story then there is no reason for us to wait said hanaud i shall have my holiday after all and while he was yet speaking the voice of a newsboy calling out the first edition of an evening paper became distantly audible hanaud broke off his farewell for a moment he listened with his head bent then the voice was heard again confused indistinct hanaud picked up his hat and cane and without another word to calladine raced down the stairs mr ricardo followed him but when he reached the pavement hanaud was half down the little street at the corner however he stopped and ricardo joined him coughing and out of breath what's the matter he gasped listen said hanaud at the bottom of duke street by charing cross station the newsboy was shouting his wares both men listened and now the words came to them mispronounced but decipherable mysterious crime at the semiramis hotel ricardo stared at his companion you were wrong then he cried calladine's story was true for once in a way hanaud was quite disconcerted i don't know yet he said we will buy a paper but before he could move a step a taxicab turned into the adelphi from the strand and wheeling in front of their faces stopped at calladine's door 
from the cab a girl descended let us go back said hanaud end of part two